0: turn in your bibles to James chapter 4 i'll be reading from James chapter 4 in a moment but may i start by wishing you all a very happy new year and it is a happy new year for us isn't it it's a happy new year it's it's the year of the lord's favor upon us it's a, another year in which christ is enthroned over this universe it's another year of sin defeated, of death defeated, of Jesus being victorious. It's another year for us to celebrate that Jesus has conquered all things, that Jesus is resurrected and alive and ascended on high, that Jesus is God. So it is a happy year. This is going to be another year in which men, women, and children will meet God for the first time and no sins forgiven. This is another year when people dead in sins will be made alive in Christ. This is going to be another year of miracles, another year of his breaking through, another year of him lifting our vision and our gaze beyond our circumstances and to seeing him gloriously enthroned before us. Jesus is the cornerstone. That means he is immovable, rock-like, steady, sure, certain. He's the rock of ages. He's the foundation. He is our hope. He is our confidence. In Him is our faith. In Him is our trust. Jesus is reigning. So it's a happy year. It's a year of the favor of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let us not forget that. This is a happy year. And we, of all people, can celebrate that today. So let's read together from James chapter 4. I'm going to read just a few verses, verses 13 through to 17 and this is the ESV translation come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring what is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes Instead, you ought to say, "If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that." As it is your boast, as it is you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for already today reminding us of the truthfulness. Of your word, the certainty that we can have this morning. We can be certain about future things, certain future things we can be certain of. We can be certain that whatever comes this year, you're sovereign over it. Whatever we encounter in the coming weeks and months, nothing will take place that's beyond your control. We can be certain that in all things you are working for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. We can be certain that you remain on course to gather a people for yourself from every nation, tribe, and tongue. We can be certain that a day is coming and rapidly approaches, Lord Jesus, when you will return, when every eye will see you, when every knee will bow and confess you as Lord, We can be certain that the day of your return is coming quickly. A day when you will wipe every tear from our eye. A day when you will make this aching, fallen world perfect. A day when we will see your face and embrace you. When we will see Christ Jesus gloriously before us. Of course, there are many things that remain hidden from us, but I pray today, Father, would you help us to draw such confidence from what you've revealed that every single person in this room today will leave encouraged and strengthened in their faith, confident to step into this new year walking closely with you, Lord Jesus. We desire your will to be done in our lives, in this church, in this city, in this nation, in this world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. The first Sunday of the year tends to be an opportunity, doesn't it, for us to reflect and to anticipate So, I was able to choose any text this morning. We'll be starting a new series next week, which I'm looking forward to. Today, I want us to ground everything that's happened and everything that's going to happen in what's been revealed to us in this passage. I want to speak about the bigness of our God, the sovereignty of our God. I want us to draw confidence in his plans and in his purposes. I think if there's one thing we've, we've certainly learned from COVID, it's this. We are very poor at anticipating what's coming around the corner. How many of you have booked holidays which have cancelled? How many of you have made plans which haven't happened? How many of you have been on the phone trying to get a refund for something you weren't able to do, which was COVID-related? This Sunday, this equivalent Sunday of 2020, how many preachers saw what was coming? How many preachers said, this year we're going for this and we're going for that? How many of you had plans? All of us did. If there's one thing COVID has definitely reminded us all of, is our inability to know the future and to know what's coming even those who claim to walk really closely to God none of us have seen that video clip of the prophet standing up saying in three months time a pandemic's going to strike the world and we're all going to be locked down that didn't happen there are certain things that God reveals and there are certain things that God doesn't And what God reveals, He reveals to us for our strength and our comfort. But there's much He doesn't reveal, and He doesn't reveal for good reason. The pandemic has had world changing consequences. This last year, I was reading in uh, the Times, is going to be referred to as the year of the great resignation. There's been no year like it for people leaving their jobs resigning from from their jobs changing their careers there's not been a year like it apparently where so many people have gone do you know what i don't want to do this anymore i'm packing it in i wonder if that may be some of you people as a consequence of the pandemic reassessing their lives and uh, reprioritizing or deciding afresh what really matters to me what do i really value Am I living the life I want to live? People moving, people moving to glorious places like this for a different type of life with different values in place. The pandemic has seen through the prism of COVID, the world has changed. Few would debate that. And it's massively affected the church, hugely affected the church. I've never known so many pastors stepping out of ministry that I've known in this last year. I've never seen so many of my friends in ministry struggle as they have done. See, what's affecting the world around us is affecting us also. It would be foolish to say, oh, hasn't it been difficult for businesses and hasn't it been diff- difficult for schools and, and not accept it's been very difficult and challenging for us to pastor a church through a pandemic like this has been an extraordinary challenge you may you may not know this but many many pastors and people in full-time ministry have packed it in because of how intense and difficult it's been and we should honor steve he's persevered, because he's kept going, because he's loved us, because he's seen that we've been able to continue to worship and to continue to be taught because it has been an incredibly challenging time and I've seen how intense it's been for him it's been so challenging for all of us and God Is sovereign over it all? That both forces us to ask some big questions. Why, Lord? And is a comfort to us like nothing else is. An extraordinary comfort. This last year, I've never seen so many pastors exposed for bad leadership. I've never known so many pastors stepped out of ministry for accusations of bullying and heavy-handedness. Some of it you may be aware of, some of this may be completely you may be completely unaware of. The spotlight has shone upon us. What do we value most? What counts most for us? What is God looking for from his church and from his people? What does it mean for us to be a healthy church? What does it mean for us to honor God? It's been an absolutely astonishing time. I was meeting with a mentor of mine recently, an older man, godly man. And he said to me, "Tim, the church today." is really unhealthy God needs to restore the church God needs to restore the church now let me just stress to you this morning my goal here today is not to depress you (laughs) okay you'll be relieved to know that's not my objective today But but I do want us to begin with quite a sober reflection on where we are. And I do want us to be really encouraged. Because as you read this book, you find there's a repeated pattern that happens. There's a repeated cycle. You can talk of it as... God coming to his people and his people enjoying his presence and walking faithfully with him. We start there in the garden. And then God's people are deceived, and idolatry and sin comes in, and then there's an exile. And then we find ourselves in slavery and bondage, and we're asking the questions, how have we found ourselves in this place? How have we found ourselves so sick and so corrupt? And God raises up a prophet and the prophet speaks to God's people and says, you must repent and you must turn back to God. You must turn back to the lover of your souls and recognize your sin. The, the prophet speaks to the people of God and says, enough. And God's people repent. And God's people worship God again according to his law and according to his word. And there is a return from exile. Back to being his people and worshipping him appropriately. And then, God's people sin again. And then there are idols. And then there is slavery. And then there is exile. You see the cycle. You read through the Bible, you see the cycle repeats. And if you are a historian of church history, you will see that for the history of God's people, that cycle continues this repetition. So is God doing something in the church today? Are we at this point where we're saying, God, please do something? Are we satisfied with the church today? Could we be on the brink of God leading us into a renewal and a restoration of something healthy and brilliant that honors him and glorifies him? Is it that God is cutting off the dross? Is it that God is recognizing and not not willing to stand by and just accept, well, my church is unhealthy, my church is sick. That's not the kind of God we worship. We worship a God who is coming after his church. We, We worship one who pursues. I really ought to go back into the text so James begins and what I love about James is if I was asked which um, Bible writer is the least tactful it would be James he calls it out he calls a spade a spade if there's an elephant in the room this is the guy who addresses it reading James can be quite uncomfortable at times because he's so stark so he begins this passage and says come now it's almost slightly sarcastic come on You guys, and it seems he's addressing business people who are planning their years and anticipating what they're going to do. I can imagine him speaking this over the church or speaking this over us a couple of years ago. Come now, you who are planning this year ahead, saying you're going to do this, you're going to do that. You with all your calendars and all your programs and all your scheduling and all the things you're planning on doing. Come now. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. And then he says this, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's your life. You're a mist. You're a vapor. You're a cloud. You're there one moment and then you're gone. We live in a Western world where it says, no, no, you are what it's all about. This universe revolves around you. Make this universe work to your advantage. And then in a pandemic, we suddenly think, I feel quite out of control of the destiny which I'm meant to be stepping into and walking into. Now He is challenging, he is arresting their attention, and he is diagnosing the problem. The problem here is man's autonomy. The problem here is man's presumption. The problem here is when we think that we know what's coming and we can plan and we can order our events. And then we get COVID and we feel very, very weak. I got COVID back in November. And it was awful. I had like two, two weeks of total. It got, I got to one o'clock in the afternoon. It felt like two in the morning. I keeled over. I was absolutely helpless. I felt very, very weak. You're a vapor. You're a mist. You're here one moment. You're gone the next. Where are, where are all these guys who first heard James speaking this? Where are they all now? Where will you be in 50 years' time, 100 years' time. So he brings this stark challenge to help us get a right perspective on our lives. Get a good perspective on your life. See who you really are. Man is not autonomous. God has no need of us at all. You and I are entirely dispensable to his plans. Entirely dispensable. He does not need me. Does not need me. And every time we see a mighty prophet through the scriptures, we see Moses raised up then Moses dies. What happens? Joshua takes over. And what happens? God's people continue to, to advance. God's kingdom continues to advance. One mighty servant raised up, one mighty servant dies. It doesn't depend on Moses. It doesn't depend on Joshua. There is one upon whom all these things do depend. Who is faithful and consistent and steadfast and immovable and present with us all the time. We have to have a right perspective as we plan ahead, as we anticipate what's coming. These verses are given to us to strengthen and to help us. The Lord wants to lift anxiety from you today. He doesn't want you to worry very easy in a moment like this. There is a lot of anxiety and worry about that out there because we do feel our humanity, our weakness, our inability to control our destiny. The Lord wants to lift anxiety from you today. He wants you to come to him to pray, to pray. Do you enjoy the power of prayer? Do you you know the power and the gift of prayer Let me just read a couple of quick quotes to you. To pray is to accept that we are and always will be wholly dependent on God for everything. Tim Keller said that. Without prayer, local churches are telling God, it's okay, we can do things without you. That was Terry Virgo. The praying church is a church that recognizes its dependency upon God. We've got a week of prayer coming up. Pray with us. We want to pray as a church. Why? Because we recognize how utterly (laughs) incapable we are. How much we need. I was praying this morning, Lord, I need you. Help me. I feel weak. I feel inadequate. I don't think I can do this. Please help me. Do you pray that prayer every morning? Do you feel your need, your inadequacy? The one who's gone before you. The one who's the Alpha and the Omega. The one who's planned your day. Hey, you can speak to God. You can pray to God. You can call upon him. Like Elijah, a man just like us. He prayed and it didn't rain for three years. There is so much power in prayer. Lord, teach us to pray more. The problem is man's autonomy. God won't stand for that and he won't stand for it in the church. The autonomous leader who makes the whole thing revolve around him, look at me, that type of leader has been taken out of the church. Because we're a body, and which members of the body are most honored? The weakest. The weakest. So the reality is God's sovereignty. So what James isn't saying is, hey guys, don't make plans, there's no point. God's got this. Right? So the application isn't fatalism. The application isn't passivity. The application isn't, well, what's the point then? James doesn't say, don't make plans. There's no point. He doesn't say that. In verse 15, he tells us, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live. And do this or that. Four simple words that are foundational to you and I entering this next year, anxious or peaceful, worrying or secure. If the Lord wills, we will do this and we will do that. Good to plan. Good to organize. Good to have goals. Good to have certain ambitions. When they are married to those four words... If the Lord wills. And it can be very embarrassing. As we've actually experienced in commission recently, I'll be honest. When we say, we're definitely going to do this conference in the summer. And then we realize we can't. If the Lord wills, we'd love to do the conference in the summer. So we're learning this lesson. None of us are beyond learning this lesson (laughs) right God's gonna get to all of us he's gonna challenge all of us he wants to help us he wants to comfort us he wants us to know peace he wants us to trust him he wants us to look to him do you know that you have a lord and a master you have a lord and a master who is this Your Lord and your master happens to also be the creator of the universe. Your Lord and your master also happens to be the one that got up up onto your cross and died your death and loved you that much to do that. Your Lord and your master knows everything about you and desires you. And wants you. And, and has huge affection and love for you. Your Lord and your master thinks you're brilliant. Because you are cast in his image. And you wear his righteousness. Your, the brilliance that he sees in you. Is not your own doing. And your own excellence. It's the righteousness of Christ that you wear. So, so, so yes. Yes. He loves you yes he wants you yes he desires you because he wants you to know who you truly are and who i truly am your master is your lord and your savior and he's leading us into this new year if the lord wills if the lord wills now james isn't just wanting us just to tag that on in a kind of meaningless, repetitive way. I don't think that's what he's intending. So so you're like, uh, after church today, we're having roast pork, if the Lord wills. <laughs> it might be beef. Um, I don't think that's what is, but when you say, I'm going to get a first in my degree, or whatever it might be, I'm going to get a promotion this year. We're going to, do this, we're going to do that. There's an arrogance, there's a presumption which James is challenging. No, no, all God's work, you're, remember you're a mist. I love living in South Wanston, we're surrounded by fields. We see mist in the mornings, we see it in the evenings. Often we don't see it at all. It's a great reminder that James is giving. I feel very vividly the reminder of this. He's sovereign, he's reigning, and He's ruling. Our faith is in Christ. Our faith is in him as our king. Our faith is in him as the sovereign one. Our faith is not in politicians, preachers, pastors, postmen. <laughs> Brandon. Our faith, our hope, our trust, our confidence isn't in Steve isn't in any one of us here we have one hero Jesus Christ there's one hero more leaders will fall more people will disappoint us there will be more trouble ahead there will be more challenges ahead but Jesus doesn't move from his throne he's reigning and he's working We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him according to his purposes. He's working in all things, including COVID, including this season. What you intended for evil, God intended for good, the saving of many lives. You see, that's the story again of the Bible. He chooses the weak things of this world to shame the wise. We heard that earlier. He has chosen to build his church upon what the world would see as something very weak and pathetic and small he chose to save the world by hanging himself upon a cross that's how God chose to do it so in conclusion the remedy what is it for us as we step into this new year how do we live this new year confidently let me say this by knowing and delighting in the will of God That you would know his will. That you would know what he's revealed. The hidden things belong to him. The revealed things belong to us and our children and our children's children. He has revealed so much to us. I love how Steve started today. Get hold of your Bibles. He's faithful. He's truthful. He's honest. He's made promises that we can hold on onto you can wake every morning honestly you can I'm not making this up you can wake every morning confident peaceful free from anxiety by knowing his will how do I know his will don't be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our minds need to be renewed in his word, by his spirit, renewed, made new, that we might know his will. Imagine a man walking a path through a wood. At what point does he ask, where is the path? When he's veered off it. As long as he's walking along the path, he's not asking the question, where is the path and where am I going? When we say, Lord, what's your will for my life? Have you found yourself asking that question? Lord, what's your will for this year? Well, Lord, what should I do? I don't, th- I under- look, we've all been there. I don't think Lord, the Lord wants us to be there, though. A Christian author put it like this. To be so much in contact with God that you never need to ask him to show you his will is to be nearing the final stage of your discipline in the life of faith. When you are rightly related to God, it is a life of freedom and liberty and delight. You are in God's will. And all your common sense decisions are Are his will for you unless he checks? You decide things in perfect, delightful friendship with God, knowing that if your decisions are wrong, he will always check, and when he checks, stop at once. Do you know what? I love that. I found that so wise and helpful. When you are in the will of God, when you are walking closely with God, when you're enjoying the freedom of walking closely with God, when you're on that path and you are arm in arm with Jesus Christ and you are talking in prayer, you are hearing his, his words to you, you're in his will, you're knowing freedom, you're not panicking, going, where am I going? He's gone before you, he's behind you, he's beside you. You're doing this together. You're walking with him so that when you have to make decisions... Your whole life is not invested in that decision being right and some kind of panic and anxiety comes. You can make a decision because you are confident in the one who's leading you and guiding you, the one who's gone before you. We can have that kind of confidence today. I have to be honest. I was absolutely thrilled. Somehow I found myself in the WhatsApp group for Tribe, the Student and Twenties group, I found myself in the WhatsApp group. I would, do you know what? Someone sent a message saying, Who wants to do the Bible in a year reading with me this year? I've got a plan. Who wants to do it? One after the other, after the other, after the other said, Yes, 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 yes. I said to Lizzie, I was like, I can't believe this. You've got 25, 30 have said yes to doing this. Our students in 20s are journeying through the Word of God together this year, they're going to read the whole Bible. Isn't that encouraging? Yeah. Isn't that brilliant? Like, And we can all do that. I gave my thumbs up. So I'm in it as well with you guys. Let's do this. Find someone to do this with. Find someone. Ask someone, would you help me read the Bible? Would you do a Bible in a year with me? Or, or, or can you provide me some help? Speak to one of us if you need help. I know it can be challenging. There are various ways in which we can do this. There are various tools available to help us. There are apps. There are audios you can listen to. But walk closely with Jesus and know the renewal of your mind that you might discern his will for your life. Why don't we stand and invite the band to come. This is a a happy new year for us.